Welcome back to American Graffiti, one song at a time. This week, I'm your DJ Doris, and I have a very special guest. This episode, Professor Christy Porter. Hi! Hi! Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be recording with Doris and, and being on special guest with DJ Doris. <laughs> I have been so looking forward to this, Christy. Oh, me too. Ever since Indiana Jones Minute and your little messages at the end, <laughs> always wanted to talk to you. Beep, beep, beep. Yep. So today we're talking about song number 39, Love Potion Number 9 by The Clover. Christy, any thoughts on that song? This is a, such a fabulous song. I couldn't have told you who was the band because I've never, I honestly have never heard of the, the Clovers. Couldn't tell you anything else they sing. But what a fabulous song to put with this uh, particular set of scenes. A, uh, I mean, it makes me think of New Orleans and it makes me think of, uh, you know, late 50s, obviously. And it's just so singable, isn't it? So I, yeah, I have some ideas about the, the song as they relate to the scene. Maybe we can get into that a little bit. Yes, we can. Sure. Just what I'd like to do is just the basic facts. That song was recorded in 1959. It reached number 23 on the R&B charts. It didn't uh, get any higher. Hmm. And the 1964 version by The Searches is the more successful one. So you might have heard that version on the radio more often. Oh, okay. This is also something that I noticed a lot now talking about all the songs. Most of them, or a lot of them, have been redone, have been covered by other bands. And those covers sometimes were more successful, but in this uh, this movie, George Lucas uses the originals, always the originals. That sounds about right for Lucas, doesn't it? I mean, he went to a lot of trouble getting the rights for those songs. I'm sure he did, even though they were, if they weren't quite as popular, then uh, maybe they were a little bit, well, maybe they would be harder to secure then. Uh, not more expensive, but harder to secure, but you have to, to track them down or something. I mean, he couldn't get the rights for any Elvis uh, songs, so that's why <laughs> no Elvis is on the soundtrack. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That makes so much sense. But we've well, got I, I don't notice it either because Elvis is not necessary to have he's a good time. He's complaining. <laughs> you know, Elvis <laughs> is not necessary, Doris. It's true. I have lots of good times sans Elvis. So yes. Yeah. But Beach Boys are there. Beach Boys are there. Right. And Love Potion. Love Potion, yeah. Beach Boys would have just become popular around the time the movie is set. Again, this group, the Clovers, were formed in high school. So how fitting is it that we're talking about no longer high schoolers kind of fl uh, flying the coop and moving out, and a lot of the music is by high school bands. <laughs> I had no idea. Okay, so they're the U2, the U2 of, their, of their time. The Beatles of their time. No, they're not the Beatles of the time. Sorry. Beatles are 64. Sorry. <laughs> Not at all. Beatles are a little later. Um, yeah. the, well, the, the, the brainwave is just about to hit the States in, in 62. So, your thoughts on how that song relates to what we see? I'm intrigued. So, well, let's see. So, in this scene, Kurt has got to find the blonde. And uh, he is uh, running around with the pharaohs at this point, And yeah. they have just pulled their prank on the police car, and they are so pleased with the uh, with themselves, aren't they? So they they come up in their big Mercury, and he is a little tiny guy next to you know one big guy and one and two medium sized guys, or and one little guy, and uh, he's definitely the standout when you see them all together, right? Absolutely. 
And he tells them that he needs to find his blonde. And he tells them that he is not available the next day. And, you know, they're all kind of uh, sorry about that. But the the way I think the song moves with this scene is that everything can change in an instant. Mm. So this is not, you know, this night is not going the way Kurt had imagined it would go. And it's pretty clear to me that he didn't really have a plan for how this night would go. All that was weighing on him was this big decision. And he thought he had made it. He thought he was in a static, not moving forward place. He was going to stay put. And the song actually talks about this really unusual experience that, um, you know, the singer has where he's like, you know, I wasn't doing much, but then I go see, uh, Madame, Madame Rue, Madame, I went to see. Yeah, it's Madame Ruth. Yeah, Madame Rue. Okay. And, and, um, everything changes in an instant and, you know, his eyes are open and his ears fly open and he's, you know, everything changes as soon as that happens. So, you know, the the guy in the song, of course, says, I had so much fun. I'm going back again. Yeah. Yeah, The guy in the song is moving forward. Yeah, you're right. Of course, so much can change. And we have that, that change right at the end of this uh, scene. What I noted down when I watched this is when, when they get out of their car, out of the Mercury, is they're so giddy. Yeah, they are giddy. Yeah, it's, That's it's the, the right word. They're little boys mm-hmm. really being playful. I mean, the pharaohs are, they are kind of dangerous. You don't mess with mm-hmm. them. Mm-mm. But in, in this scene, they're really playful. Yeah, you don't really expect that, do you? You don't expect them to, I mean, they're going to enjoy it, but they don't, certainly Kurt didn't think he was going to enjoy that so much. (laughs) Well, Kurt looks like he is really the straight-laced one. Yeah, for sure. he is the only one who kind of really did something probably way out of his comfort zone in that Mm -hmm. night. Yeah, and unexpected, you know, and he's also looking for some magic, back to the song, he's looking for some magic, he needs some help, he needs, you know, basically divine intervention to find this t-bird and he can't find her he can't find it but he's looking he's moving forward yeah he still has this plan he hasn't given that up yet yeah and then of course when when the pharaohs drive off um he says well guess so you don't guess so with the pharaohs we have to we have to (laughs) go through all this trouble now since you're a member of the gang we have to steal your jacket first of all right and then what I like is he says Rome wasn't burned in a night. Yeah, I know. I wrote that down too. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think about that? That's a that's a pretty good line. That's a pretty well, good line. They're the rebel rousers. They're going to burn this uh, town down. <laughs> yeah. So there's more work to be done. You know. Yeah. It wasn't a one-time thing, but for Kurt it is. It's a one-time for Kurt it thing. is, but he doesn't know it yet. He Although I think yet. he has a feeling. I don't think he really intends to run around with the pharaohs. No. So love potion number nine. So we've got we've got this magic. We've got this mystical. We've got this you know unexpected movement forward. And I think the pharaohs were surprised too mm-hmm. that someone like Kurt actually would go through with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't look like uh, the guy who's gonna actually wreck a cop car. No, he's more like the guy who's gonna rat them out to the cops. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And you know, he actually was pretty good at it. When you think about the scene of him sneaking around, you know, he stumbles at one point, um, and they look behind. But you know, that's it. You know, he basically knows exactly what he's doing. You know, everybody's surprised in the scene. <laughs> he probably was the most surprised of all. Yeah. <laughs> Something else I noticed, uh, you know, that line in this in this um, minute, see you boys. Mm-hmm. You know, I kept, you know, every time I watch this clip, I um, and in the movie, I heard him saying "boys" in Jaws, 
which was just a few years later. So in that, he, you know, stands up. He's got his little watchman's cap on and he says, oh, boys, <laughs> I think he's back for his noon feeding. So I'm not sure. It Maybe it's just the way he says boys, you know, but that was one of the things I thought of. Very different characters. This guy can really, this guy can really play his characters. I know it's Richard Dreyfus. Of course he can play his characters, but he can, you know, just that connection between boys was just kind of, kind of got my attention, I would say. So. The pharaohs leave, and we actually see Kurt walk over to his own car. Yeah. And he walks by a couple of kids standing outside of Mel's drive-in. And they're, all, they're playing the same game that he just played with the pharaohs. They're kind of punching each other playfully. They're being giddy. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of have this parallel structure. But all of a sudden, I get the feeling that Kurt now, he is no longer part of that. He also oh, doesn't... He, he doesn't go into the drive-in, right? He just looks through the windows, kind of walks by. And the feeling I have, what he's thinking is, oh, look at those kids. I'm oh. a grown-up now. Those are kids. Hmm. I didn't even notice those kids or that it would, might mirror what was going on with, you know, his group. And then there's, this is a different group. And now he doesn't, he doesn't belong there. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then he gets into his car and he listens to the radio and we have the reflection in the window on mm -hmm. his face and he has that, that wistful look. Yeah. 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 And it's kind of like strangely peaceful. Yeah. He's pretty calm. Yeah. And then, of course, the vision comes back into view and we see the T-bird. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it, but doesn't he have the dedication first? Isn't there a Wolfman dedication first? There's a Wolfman dedication. There's someone on the radio kind of, can you please, Wolfman, can you help me and my girlfriend get back together? Yeah, he says, I, I've got I've got just five minutes left to take a dedication. Yeah, and I guess that's where he gets the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, um, he sees the T-Bird. He'd like to start his car and follow the T-Bird, but hmm... Something happens. Well, wait. I'm still back on the dedication. <laughs> Go back to the dedication for me. Oh, oh all right. So uh, the dedication says, so somebody calls in and says, you know, Wolfman Jack says, I have, I have five minutes for a dedication. And a guy comes yeah. on and says, can you get me back with my girlfriend uh, Can you to keep my girlfriend and me together? And Wolfman asks if they're separating and says, yeah, we have a little problem. And he says, I'll bring you right back together. Hold on. Which is another split section, split second change. Like mm -hmm. everything, everything can be fixed quickly. And there's still the, the, we're not playing the music anymore, but that's what the, the music had suggested in, in the beginning, I thought. Yeah, so, so, and then he says, okay, I'll fix everything, which it, which it does. But I don't think that's what you're talking about. I think you're talking about something else. <laughs> what am I forgetting, Doris? <laughs> you're not forgetting anything, Christy. Absolutely nothing. So yeah, I think that's where he gets the idea. Well, what if I make a dedication? Oh, of course. What oh, if of course. I get the wolfman to put a message on the air that I'm looking for you. And then, of course, the T-bird comes back, kind of rounds the corner. And well, he could just go after her. But what I notice is that Kurt's face now, he's, first of all, this wistful look. And then the hope in his eyes. And mm -hmm. he kind of gets the idea. Let me call the wolfman or let me uh, go find the wolfman and get a dedication on the air. I mean, his car is parked right beneath a telephone. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And the last thing that Wolfman says in that is, let me keep the evil spirits away, which actually harks back to the to the song as well. Of course, we're talking about witchcraft. Well, yeah, we need we need a little we need a little magic to make this happen. Yeah. He's and you're right. He's right underneath that 
he's right next to that phone booth. Yeah. So of oh, course yeah. the magic the magic kind of works not in his favor in that minute. <laughs> yeah, right. Because his damn car doesn't start. Right. Right. Split second. Split second. Something changes. Yeah. And then the hope is gone. Right. From his eyes. Right. And his hopes are dashed. Yeah, I, I didn't put together that that's where he got the idea for the dedication. Just, you know, because he, I would have thought that he would heard, hear lots of dedications, but you're right. He probably never had made one himself. But, but now it's gone anyway. Ugh. Mm-hmm. And all through the night, while he's um, driving in other people's cars, listening to Wolfman on the radio, he's always kind of involved in doing something. Mm-hmm. He's chatting to the girls, uh, his ex-girlfriend in the backseat. Mm-hmm. He's riding with the pharaohs. And he's always on the lookout for the white T-bird. So this is basically the first time we see him come, like, it's... It's a quiet moment that he has to actually think. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, he's all That's by himself. Right. And he's not moving, is he? But he does. He's You're right. not he, moving. And he's he drives probably, all over. Yeah, and, and he's probably, uh, it's, it's the first time that he's actually listening to what the wolfman is saying. I'm sure you're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't think of that. So, um, but this is, but you know, but the Wolfman would be really familiar with him, and and you know, this goes for him. You know, he's being st- he's and he enters being very static, and everything's very familiar, and he's choosing not to move forward, and he's choosing not to move, and then he moves all night, <laughs> yeah. and, and he's and he's really searching, and that that's not working for him, and then this is quiet, and he's thinking, I get it, okay, huh? But he's going to need some help. He's going to need some magic. He's going to need some magic. Yeah. Right now, it looks. Looks, it looks like his luck has run out. Yep. Because that damn car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is very different from all the cars. It's very different. It's very utilitarian. Kurt is different. And his car kind of reflects that, I think. Yeah, it's very economical. It's not for drag racing. It makes no statement except that it make, gets you from here to there. Yeah. It's it's small. It's small. That's right. I mean, compared to, to the other boats that we see in this movie, yeah. like cruising up and down, and this little European duck. In in, in German, um, that car has a nickname. It's called a duck. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, if English we have a, a um, nickname for that car. Well, we don't see them. I think they're very cool cars. They're super cool cars. They're Cars that you can they're cars that you can't kill. <laughs> yeah. They kind of they're so simple. You just need a piece of wire and it probably will go again. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's pretty much like Kurt. He's just doing his thing, right? Yeah. He's got nobody to impress, particularly. And he doesn't have that piece of wire ready. That he is doesn't, the that's, own fault. <laughs> that's right. I noticed that he also parks it way far over by itself in the parking lot. Yeah. We're not showing off. No, we're not showing off. And probably not because he's ashamed of the car. Kurt isn't that type. Mm-mm. Yeah, he's well, uh, very self-assured. He knows what he wants, except for that one night where he kind yeah. of, do I really know what I want? Yeah. But of course, the night before you're about to leave home, and I know that going to college is such a huge step for kids in the US. Mm-hmm. It's not so much a huge step for us. I mean, I didn't move uh, away from home when I went to, to university, but it's that rite of passage. It sure is. And it, it turns out that, that uh, as we're recording, this is actually the day that thousands of American college students are making their decisions. They have to make their decision by today. Which college am I going to go to? Mm-hmm. So, um, Christy, you have a kid. Yes. He made his decision last night, in fact. Last night. Mm-hmm. So he is college age. Yeah. He's 18. So you can relate a lot to what's going on here. 
Yes, and I'm 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 in heavy denial, Doris. I don't mind telling you. <laughs> <laughs> heavy, heavy Is he denial. Is your only kid? No, no, no. There's a there's a younger fifteen year old. Okay, so you're you're not quite um, an empty nester. No, 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 <laughs> nope, nope. I don't I don't think I would be that put together if that's that's really what we're on the table. <laughs> I wouldn't be making too much sense right now. I'd, I don't know. Would have taken to my bed if. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's going to be weird. But yes, it is a big, it is a very, very big decision. And lots of things change. And it's the launching of one's adulthood and so forth. So, you know, it resonates. Mm. So how did you feel when you were in that position to make the decision? Oh, I was very, very nervous. I was, I was really nervous. And it's hard to project oneself into the future. And there's a lot of portent and a lot of potential and you're excited. And uh, you also know that that you've been this is what you've been working for. So it's only right, right and good and just that, that this is where you're going. You know, a lot of effort was put into this change or transition. Mm. And you make your decision in the spring at the very last you know, um, it, you might make it in the fall, but but uh, you make a decision in the spring and then you, you leave the following fall. So it gives you a little bit of time to, I don't know, say farewells to whatever you have to say farewell to and then move away. If you move away, not everyone moves away. Lots of people yeah. go local, in fact. Yeah. And not everyone, of course, this is just a tangent in this movie. It's never really discussed, but not all people move away because not everyone has the means to go to college. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like John in, in the film, he's stuck. He's staying there. He is. But, you know, at the beginning of the movie, it, it's not really a... a uh, he says that's not for him. Mm. I don't know if he's... Uh, well, what do you think? Do you think that he kind of... Is he disappointed in that, that it's not for him? Maybe. Not, not professionally, as in um, that he actually wants to go to college. I don't think John is the scholarly type. Okay. Um, I mean, he works as a car mechanic and this probably what makes him happy. Yeah. But I think he kind of misses that. He's not on the same level as the other guys. Okay. But he's the expert. People come and find him. Absolutely. Yeah. So probably, I mean, he's also older. I, I still don't get why he hangs out with these, these <laughs> high school kids. But yeah, well. It's a good point. You know, he might not be that much older. He might be only 19 or 20, but he seems older. Yes, he's he's supposed to be 21. Okay. So if these, these kids are really just 17 or 18, I think that is quite a stretch. You're right. But, You're right. Um, those might just be the only the only kids running around with him. <laughs> and it kind of probably is nice to have these like puppy eyes that they make at him because he's <laughs> the cool guy. Yeah. They kind of are his fan club. And yeah. now his fan club is leaving. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good point. So these are these are genuine friends of his, uh, age notwithstanding. You know, yeah. he he likes these folks, and they're leaving. I didn't. I don't get the the feeling that they've really talked about that much. The fact that his fan club is leaving and he's being left behind. Probably because he doesn't want to. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. something. Well, we see him kind of uh, warm up a little bit, but I have this feeling that John tends to come across as pretty, pretty aloof, mm -hmm. being above things. Right. Having a, a reputation as drag king guy. Yeah. Well, we see him warm up a little bit later, but we'll get there. We will. <laughs> we sure we will. will. So, uh, Christy. Yeah. You just told me you had never seen that movie before. No. So I don't know how. What, 
<laughs> what was your experience watching it? I had, I really had no idea. Not only had I not seen the movie before uh, invited to to um, be on the, your podcast, but um, so thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> for, for introducing, for being the gateway. Um, I really didn't know very much about it. I couldn't have told you anything other than it was in the 50s. And I corrected my, my kids when they're like, oh, 62. And I'm like, no, no, honey, look at the cars, you know. And of course, that's kind of the point. These are late model cars, but it's 62 just before everything starts. And so it's the end of the 50s, even though it's 62, whatever. Um, I knew that Harrison Ford was in it. Um, I really couldn't have told you very much else about it. You know, Lucas, okay, fine. You know, his, his, not his first, but you know, his big one. And I was so drawn along. I was so immediately drawn in and taken along. And I'm like, you know, there's really no plot. And that's okay with me. Um, I know there is a, a story, but there's no, you know, beginning, middle, end. It's these vignettes that unroll and the characters that unroll. So we're getting the stories of these people. And I just, I, I now have to watch it many more times because there's just so much to say. And it doesn't hurt that the music is great. Oh, the music is fabulous. Who does this? Nobody does this. <laughs> and it also doesn't hurt that these are really nice looking cars. They are great looking cars. I mean, I'm absolutely not interested in anything automotive. Nope. I just know I like looking at these cars. <laughs> yeah. And they're so well done. They're so beautiful. And they're such a, I mean, they're their own characters. They were matched to the characters. Uh, the only other place that I pay attention to cars, you know, in other big car movies, of course, in all is all the Mad Max series. You know, mm -hmm. you can't help but understand, you know, how important those cars are, right? So, yeah. and the other thing that I thought, um, when I saw this is how all of these actors played their parts so beautifully and so beautifully together, even though they were not big names or stars at the time. Amazing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it is kind of like an ensemble piece. Mm -hmm. Although most of the characters, they are not together throughout the movie. They kind of experience their own little stories, their own little vignettes. But it still is very much an ensemble film. There's not one standout character yeah, because everyone is important. Yeah. How, did, how were you introduced to the movie? Reading, like I had, I was maybe 12 or 13 just watched Return of the Jedi, had watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, became this massive Harrison Ford fan. Yay. Okay, so reading up on what has this guy done also. Hmm, American Graffiti. Sounds interesting. I didn't own a VCR, but probably the year after, um, it was on television. Oh. It was on television, on, on, on German television. I had an old black and white set in my room, and that's where I first watched it. And I fell in love with this movie, mm -hmm. and I fell in love with the music. Yeah. How about Harrison Ford? Did that? Were you satisfied with Harrison Ford's performance? Well, he's not that much in it. No. <laughs> I could have used a little more Harrison Ford, but that's me, you know, or us. That's yeah. us. Yeah, that's us. We'll talk a little bit about Harrison Ford at a later point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually didn't mind that he was uh, not very much in it because I really fell in love with everything else. Yeah. And I, I watched it in black and white. So uh, I didn't even get one other thing that I really love about this movie. That is the color scheme. I really like mm -hmm. the colors in this film. Beautiful, isn't it? Absolutely beautifully filmed. Like it looks right. Yeah. So not having very much Harrison Ford in that film, yeah, I, I didn't mind anymore. I then bought the uh, soundtrack album 
I had I listened to that <laughs> for like two years straight. Sure. Yeah, that's my story. <laughs> so you were you were basically Carol's age. I was Carol's age, absolutely. Did that make you relate more to Carol? At that time, absolutely not. Why not? I don't know. I never relate to teenagers. You know Star Wars? I didn't mm -hmm. relate to Luke either. Okay. I did also not relate to Leia. Those are the characters I relate to now that I'm 50. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back then it was Han Solo all the way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. After, you know, perfectly honest, I thought I thought Leia was fine, but, you know, she was kind of there to fill out the scene, I guess. Yeah. Like, I didn't always, when we played, when we pretend, pretend played Star Wars, I didn't always have to be the princess. That was fine with me. I, I could be somebody else. princess. No. No. I mean, me and my best friend, uh, we acted out a lot of stuff that we, we watched, Disney movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was always the guy. Okay. She was the princess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I get that 100%. Yeah. Especially in a Disney movie. Robin Hood was our movie. That's a good that's a good one. That's mm. a good one, but we can't we can't really think about that too long. I can't think about it too long cuz all those songs are going to get stuck in my head. <laughs> We're not <sighs> going to talk Alan Dale. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Many thanks. Okay. Okay. Christy, any thoughts on this scene? Wow. Uh I think I think we um I think we covered it. Okay. Yeah. So, Christy, you are the distinguished podcast guest. <laughs> Do you also want to promote some stuff of your own? Ah, uh, well, of course, um I'm I'm always here to uh promote the Indiana Jones minute and uh right now guys are doing Crystal Skull. <laughs> so, they're doing it, yes. Yes, yes <laughs> With they the are. Longest, after the longest hiatus in podcast history, I guess. Yes, I guess. It's a little foot draggy, but you know, they're getting around to it. It's all right. They're getting so, around to it, and I'm admiring their uh, sticking power. That's right. Their persistence. So, um, if, for those who are interested in, in Crystal Skull, <laughs> please, <laughs> please help them out. They could, oh, they definitely, could use the definitely help. Everyone, <laughs> everyone go and listen to the Indiana Jones Minute. Definitely. Yeah. So, if people out there want to come and discuss more American graffiti with me, with us, with all of us, you can come visit us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group called Mel's Listeners Drive-In. Come and join us there. And on Instagram and Twitter, you will find us under VCR Privileges, where we discuss your favorite summer movies. He's really fast, isn't he?